1: Tonight, at the main event, what do we have? Who do we have? You know what it is! It's Taco Tuesday!
0: It's the Points in the Paint podcast presented by Steve Ben Wittenstein.
1: And Zach Badger House.
0: Zach, we're back after uh, a week off. We're doing these bi-weekly podcasts. But again, at Points in the Paint on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter. Lots of good stuff going on with basketball, Zach, finally. And I know it seems like we say this literally every episode where we go, <laughs> finally, basketball's back. But, man, now we know for sure that basketball's back because we have a schedule.
1: Yeah, man, uh, all the teams are, that are going to be participating in Orlando – they all now have their games all set, and uh, most of them, if not all of them, probably will be televised. Uh, there'll be some early games going all the way through into some late late uh, evening games, of course. And so, yeah, man, we got this final stretch of, what, eight or eight or so games for uh, each, in, each team that's going to be down there in Orlando in the bubble. And so it's pretty exciting, to say the least, but we still have to really kind of wait and see what happens. We still got about, like, 30 days before things actually go into motion and we got that's a lot of time from uh from now so we have to see the big three
0: Yeah, we're hoping that everyone stays healthy. With the NBA, there's already been some players that have tested positive for COVID and we're going to get into that in a little bit down the road, but let's just start with the NBA schedule because it all came out on Friday. It was a huge news dump that happened Friday afternoonish and it was actually really fun to be on Twitter for the first time in a while. We saw people tweeting about the NBA gifts, memes, jokes, everything that, that people love to do with NBA Twitter was happening. Um, but every team that is going to be playing in Orlando finally has their schedule. Um, and there's some really good schedules out there and there's, there's some teams that seem like they may have a pretty easy coast into the playoffs. Um, and we could start with some of the predictions of course, but the team that stood out to me, Zach was the one um, and only Los Angeles Clippers. they, seem to have to me at least probably one of the easier schedules of the uh, 22 teams that are playing they have a stretch where they play the pelicans the suns they play the mavericks which could be difficult but they play the blazers and brooklyn those most all those teams are very beatable for the clippers i mean they seem like they have a pretty easy easy path to at least getting either whatever seed that they want to get either that one seed if they make a move on the Lakers. They're five and a half games back. But it seems like the two seed for them is, is pretty straightforward, and they can pretty much coast through these eight games.
1: See? See, Ben, I knew you would just jump right in as if basketball is just going to go right back to how it was just completely normal a month from now when they start these games. But I'm going to tell you something, Ben. I'm going to tell you something. People are going to be so rusty. <laughs> It's it's like and it's scary to even say this, but injuries are gonna come into effect. And then, you know, we got low management going on, even though there's been what a, a four month stretch of low management for guys, so they should be fine come this time around. And then I'm looking at the schedule too, Ben, and these eight games are condensed. And so, like, when you got guys that you know may play for the Los Angeles Clippers, you know, like a Kawhi Leonard. Who's gonna come back? You know, you know, a month from now and playing these games. Some of these games are are in a two day window or a three day window. So there's not really. Not granted, they don't have to travel while being in Orlando. So that's so that's good. But at the same time, like I'm looking at these schedules and like the Blazers and the Nets game, like that's a back to back. And then you look at the Phoenix and Mavericks game. That's two days apart, and they're really gonna be playing like every other day. So that, like, every team will be playing every other day. So we'll see how necessarily the schedule unfolds for the Los Angeles Clippers. But, you know, those games where they may seem like they'll be winnable or easy for them, depending on how the other team, if they've played the night before or et cetera, that, that you know, that'll determine, you know, a lot for me. So really these last eight games for me will be like a toss up for the uh, for each team in Orlando with these last eight games.
0: Yeah, it seems like we're probably, like you said, we're going to see some absolutely crappy basketball probably to start (laughs) at least for maybe the first game or two, because they, what, they haven't played for three and a half months. So they're, they're going to be a little bit rusty, but I I just think, I mean, I looked through all these schedules and I wanted to start with the Clippers because I think the Clippers are kind of an interesting team in the microcosm of the 22 teams, because, you know, there's people who have been asking me, there's people who I've been asking, you know, who, who do you think has the advantage when it comes to this type of schedule and this type of, gameplay where you have everyone in the same place but you have quick games one every other day and you play only eight games you know what what teams have the advantage with this and the thing that i've been seeing seeing, and reading is that it seems like the teams that are younger usually have a little bit of an advantage in something like this because a their bodies can recover quicker and b this is the type of play that at least they're used to a little bit more while they were in college they're used to more up-paced gameplay and they're used to that that situation where it's kind of like a weird environment also, playing playing in a weird environment, a foreign environment, you have to get used to that when you're playing in college. You obviously have to get used to it in the NBA, but it's certainly crucial in college. So it seems like, you know, a team like the Pelicans, who, who are very young and have a lot of players who are young, they seem to probably have maybe a bigger advantage in this scenario than they would during the regular season. Now, the Clippers, they have a little bit of an older team, of course, with Kawhi and Paul George, but those guys aren't extremely old yet. They're not like old veterans. So they may be kind of in that sweet spot where they're still relatively young, but they still have the veteran ability to be able to lead a team through a weird scenario. So that's kind of why I started focusing on them. But it will be interesting to see because there's going to be a lot of teams that just suffer injuries right out of the gate. You know, there's going to be guys who go down right away and we're we're going to be saying like, oh, crap, this is going to be happening for the next 15 days where players are going to be going down.
1: Yeah, and it's gonna be unfortunate to really see that. And then another thing I like that you mentioned uh, New Orleans Pelicans because that is a youthful team, and they're gonna probably feel comfortable with it more so because it's gonna give them AAU vibes, you know. And they right. probably just exit out of that out of that circuit. Not to what maybe over the last what six years on average between the New Orleans Pelicans uh, franchise, you know, you got Zion, you got uh, Jackson Hayes, you got Lonzo Ball. You have um, – who else is pretty young on that roster? Uh, Brandon Ingram, who was – six years ago was in the probably AAU circuit. Uh, who else is out there? That's I mean, you have. could have Memphis too. Who's yeah, a young you could have I mean, John Morant, Jackson. Exactly, yep.
0: Yeah, and I don't want to, like, say that I think the Pelicans or Memphis is going to make a big run with this, but I just think that – we're going to be talking about betting in a second, but I just think that these are the teams that – you can look at it and say, well, maybe they'll pull off some interesting wins. Maybe they could make a run to get into the playoffs, at least for for the Pelicans. You know, it's it's one of those things where you're like, maybe this scenario could be the thing they need to push them over the top.
1: Yeah, and like you like like you mentioned the older teams, like a team like the Lakers too. You know, LeBron, man, he studied study five. You know, <laughs> yeah. in those in those stack of games being so tight together. You know, like so close within like a two day period. Like I said, granted, you don't have to travel. But, to put eight games, you know, so tight together on a guy like LeBron James, who knows what kind of impact that'll have on him come playoff time? I mean, yeah, really, and i'm he's, I'm he's always worried up. about,
0: yeah, and I'm always worried about saying LeBron is too old to do something, but this is, you know, this is one of those things that I think is going to push push him to the limits of of what his body can do. Now, if he can do it, and he can, you know, he averages twenty five points a game and he's a monster through these two weeks, two and a half weeks that they do this. I mean, I, he is the absolute goat at that point. I don't. I don't even know if you can make the argument otherwise. I mean, for him to be going 15 days game every day or two, and and to be able to do what he does, and if he averages 25, nine and six things like that, you know, I mean, that's amazing. He, he's a freak. Then he, he's the absolute. People need to check that he's not made in a laboratory or something because that's absurd if he's able to do that.
1: Yeah, it is like you know, we mentioned all these teams, but granted, you know, there's 22 teams that are go, that are going to the bubble you know there western are. you know 13 teams out west and I've already stated on this podcast that i have not really too fond of that having 13 teams out west and only nine in the east but you know out we out east you have the Bucks that'll be there with the Raptors, Celtics, Miami Heat, Pacers, you know the 76ers, Brooklyn Nets, Orlando Magic and even the Washington Wizards who some I've been reading have been kind of skeptical on really necessarily having the Washington Wizards included in the bubble how do you feel about that being having the washington wizards with the record being so you know so poorly at 24 and 40 and being a ninth seed only six games technically out of the eighth spot but just having such a poor record overall how do you feel about them really having that opportunity to really be in the playoff position because that's you needed
0: yeah you needed that nine. you needed at least one non-playoff eastern conference team i think uh which happened to be the wizards like you said they're only five and a half games out of that eighth spot. So there's a chance that they could make a run and get in the playoffs over the Orlando Magic. But without Bertons, Davis Bertons, who's going to be sitting out for the Wizards, I don't see them really doing much. He's such a big part of that team that I just, I don't see them doing much without him. Um, but they're going to be a fun team. They're always a fun team to watch. Bradley Beal's fun, but he's just not one of those guys. They're just not the team that's going to make anything happen in the East. I think the Eastern Conference playoff picture at this point is, Pretty solidified. I, I don't see it really going any way else. There really isn't a ton of movement. The Pacers and 76ers could maybe flip for the fifth and sixth spot in the East. But really, other than that, I, I don't see a ton of movement probably happen. I think all the action is going to be taking place in the Western Conference. But with that being said, we do have a couple teams that I put on here, five different teams who I want to hear what your predictions, just for their record, are through eight games um, and what you think they're going to go. Because I, 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 I wrote mine down. So I want to see how close we are and, and how much we believe for each team. And we're, let's start with the Lakers for this first team. And if you look at the Lakers' schedule, um, it's it's not easy. It's certainly not an easy schedule. They got one of the oh, hardest it's schedules. it's definitely
1: not easy. They, they have,
0: have, have to start hard. with the Clippers. Um, and really, the easiest team they play is probably the Kings, and that's the last game that they play. But, you know, they play Toronto, the Jazz. the playoff team. Yeah, Thunder, Houston, Pacers, Nuggets. I mean, th- this is a very tough schedule for the Lakers. So what what do you think – they are going to go through those eight games.
1: See that's see that's so tough because, like I say, you look at that schedule. Every team except for the Sacramento Kings right now is in are in the playoffs. Houston Rockets, Indiana Pacers out yeah. East. Like you said, Denver Nuggets, Utah Raptors out East, and of course the Clippers. You know, in that second spot. So you know that's kind of tough for them. And with that schedule being so condensed, this is this is this is the question that's in the back of my head throughout all this as the as the season gets closer and closer to restarting which players are more and more going to not be a part of the roster moving forward because that's going to determine a lot because if we sit here and we make this prediction and all of a sudden the key player for the clippers or a key player for the lakers decide okay COVID 19 yeah i'm as it gets closer probably not i'm probably going to sit this out like for an example the lakers they yes. may not have Dwight howard and they may not have rondo that's kind of a, that may be kind of huge. And for Bradley too. Yeah, and they, and they don't have Avery Bradley. But granted, like we talked about on the last podcast, that uh, Jr. Well, what we will talk about on this podcast is that uh, Jr. Smith joined the L.A. Lakers, and we'll be talking about that and how influential that'll be the, for LeBron James. And so, like these these rosters are going to be interchanging and be and becoming different over the next few weeks. So with the Lakers currently right now and what it sounds like with with three players are going to be off their roster, I probably would say roughly five hundred five and three. They can beat that Los Angeles Clippers team because I think, yeah, they'll probably come out energized. But I think at the end, they'll probably be flat towards the end the L.A. Clippers. So I think they can win that game. That game will be winnable. Um, The Raptors game will be winnable. The Thunder game will be winnable. And also the Pacers game will also be winnable. And then the Sacramento Kings, you know, so those are five, those are five teams I think that they can win out of those eight games to so be five and three or at least four and four with yeah. a tight one.
0: You know, we think alike. I, I exactly have that. Idea. They're five and three for me. <laughs> I, I don't see them winning six games, especially, you know, I wouldn't blame the Lakers or LeBron if they sat them out a game. I, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know if they're going to punish teams for sitting just like, sitting their stars and, and doing the whole load management through these eight games. Cause it's kind of a weird situation. Cause you could make the argument that, you know, you've been off three months. Why do you need load management? that's true but You could also make the argument, you know, that you've been off three months <laughs> and you're just starting to play basketball. You need that load management. So exactly. it it We, we have no idea if any of these guys are going to be sitting out some of these games, but roughly I five and three is, is what I have the Lakers going. The next team Clippers, uh, the other Los Angeles team, for me, I have them going 6-2, and and kind of like what we talked about with their uh, pretty easy schedule compared to some other teams, especially compared to the Lakers, uh, but they, they really play a lot of non-playoff teams and are really a lot of non-threatening teams. So I, I have them going 6-2, and two. Um, and the two losses that I can see them coming by would be against Dallas— and I can see them losing to Denver, maybe Oklahoma City too, but I, I think they beat either Dallas, Denver, or OKC. One one of those three, I think they beat. So six and two is what I have the Clippers going.
1: Okay, I'm looking at that schedule. You say six and two. I could probably say five and three, only because the Blazers or the Nets they will lose. I, they probably could lose one of those games, especially with a guy like Damian Lillard being on the Portland Trail Blazers any given night. There's no telling what video game Dame will do and we'll definitely get into that nick day later on in the pod of course and then you look at a team like you know the phoenix suns i don't think uh they'll lose to them uh the pelicans that may be tough you may get energetic zion williamson you never know you know or they may see that's what's weird about you know the pelicans and zion williamson you know him coming back he already had missed four months got like a good 15 games in in the season now he misses another four months and kind of have to just kind of probably slowly get back into the groove. So you never know with the New Orleans Pelicans. That could be a toss-up game that the, that the Clippers could probably win. Nuggets, they could probably beat the Nuggets also as well. So I would probably say 5-3 and three or if not 6-2. and two.
0: Yeah, man, the Blazers are such an anomaly to me. As I, I was going through every team schedule that we have, we have three other teams. One of them is the Blazers. The other are the Bucks and the Celtics. But going through these team schedule and seeing Portland, I I had no idea who to put as a winner for some of these teams when they play Portland. Because, A, we, you just never know what type of team Portland is going to well, be gonna when be. they go out and play. No. <laughs> they're very Yeah, they're very inconsistent. And the other one is Nurkic is coming back. I believe, I haven't seen anything where he's not going to play. He was supposed to come back in March, so I assume he's going to be back now. And that could be a completely different team with Nurkic on it. So they could even be better than everyone expected.
1: I don't know. You know, that was key. We all When we talked about before the whole pandemic and you know, the quarantine situation, we talked about how the Blazers were going to be a team that's going to get key players back on, on, during their playoff run down the stretch, being a bottom uh, team in the West. And so with them having that, Opportunity to come, back, having those guys come back with Zach Collins, uh, Joseph Nurkic, uh, I believe. Well, you you have you Then you have Carmelo Anthony, you know, to to provide that with with white Whiteside, of course, to go along with Dame and CJ. And so when you have those extra pieces in the front court, particularly, then that puts a uh, that puts less on those two two in the backcourt.
0: Yeah, they're going to be a really interesting team, and I know Carmelo talked about. Uh, you know, he was a little skeptical on playing, but I think he's he's going to play and we'll see how that works. I, I think the Blazers are like the big wild card. No one knows what's going to happen with them team of all of the teams in Orlando. I think just because if they add Nurkic and they have all these players, you, you just can never count out Dame. You just can't. You can't, you out, can't. count out Dane and, and CJ. They're too fun. They're too good. They're always going to be in games. And, and so, I think in this
1: setting, this type of basketball setting, I think they'll thrive in too, as well.
0: That's true. That this is this is prime Dame time, prime Dame time. <laughs> I'm just, I'm ex- man, I'm excited to see like a Dame buzzer beater in Orlando. I think that would be so fun just to see yeah. that happen. Yeah,
1: it would um, be awesome.
0: Well, let's see the two other teams we wanted to hit on: the Bucks and the Celtics. Uh, let's quickly do the Bucks um, because I'm as big of a fan of the Bucks as anyone can who's not from Milwaukee. Uh, but they they have a fairly tough schedule. They start with Boston. They do the Rockets, the Nets, Heat, Mavericks, Raptors, Wizards, and the Grizzlies. Um, and for me, I put them down as going five and three. Um, they they worried me a little bit towards the end of the the season before the lockdown happened. They were losing some games I didn't think they could lose, and and they seemed to play a little bit poorly on the offensive side of the ball sometimes. So. I'm not completely skeptical of them, but I'm, I'm a little less confident in them than I was, say, in, like, February or January. Um, so I have them going five and three.
1: You know what? I would say six and two because I know they can beat the Boston Celtics. I know they can beat the Houston Rockets and the Brooklyn Nets, and none of those three games are, are like, back-to-back scenarios, and they don't have back-to-backs outside of playing the Raptors and then playing the Wizards. And so they could probably lose a game to the Raptors and probably lose the game to the Miami Heat. But those are the only two games I necessarily see them losing to. I don't necessarily see them lose to Boston to start off because I feel like Boston will uh, struggle offensively in a rusty situation. And I'll take take a rusty Milwaukee offensive team over a rusty Boston Celtics offensive team because – Boston's offensive of efficiency, like we talked about throughout the podcast, was so high that you know it put them in great situations for them to win basketball games because how effective they were across the board with Tatum, with Tatum Walker and uh, Jalen Brown, you know, and obviously Hayward all being on the perimeter at the same time. So with, with them having that, if they come out rusty, I think that's a game that they can lose because I think even with a rusty Giannis, he's still going to be able to attack the rim and be at the basket. So if he can if he can do that, he'll be fine and be able to uh, to beat that team that's kind of small It won't be able to necessarily stop Giannis in a one-on-one situation. Then you got another small team, Houston Rockets. I think I could beat them too, and then you'll have a short. You'll probably have a short uh, Brooklyn Nets team. They probably won't have their complete roster. Sounds like Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan won't play. Probably Kyrie Irving probably won't play as well alongside with yeah, Kevin. The
0: they're going to be depleted. Yeah, you know, so they'll
1: probably be uh, they'll probably be depleted, like you said. And then you got Miami. That's a team that'll probably be hungry, and uh, Milwaukee Bucks could probably lose to them. And then a the Mavericks team that'll be a toss-up game for me, but. If if you know Giannis could come out and be Giannis MVP Giannis, I think he can win that game over Luka Doncic. You got a Raptors team that's uh they could probably lose to that team, and then you have the Wizards and the Memphis Grizzlies towards the end. That I think both teams are winnable games too as well. So yeah, six and two team for me for the Milwaukee Bucks.
0: Yeah, as uh, five and three, and then the last team we you talked about them a little bit was the Boston Celtics. Uh, I have them going six and two. I, I they were one of my few six and two teams who I saw on that list. Um and they they have a pretty favorable schedule. They end their eight games with three straight against the Magic, the Grizzlies, and the Wizards. I think those are three easy wins right there. As we talked about, they they're gonna start against Milwaukee. I think that's a toss up. Portland again, that the Celtics in Portland, I could easily see Portland just being blown out by by Boston. But it depends what type of Portland team we see too. So that could be actually turn out to be a very fun game. Um, Miami, Brooklyn, and Toronto are the other teams that they play. So six and two is what I have Boston going. I think they're gonna be fairly dominant throughout this whole thing just because we talked about the age. They're a relatively young team. They got a very good coach. Uh, in a scenario like this, I, I think they're gonna be able to thrive.
1: That's true. That's true. I will say that. they do have youth. Jalen is, is young. Kimber is obviously still in his 20s, and then uh, you have, you know, obviously Jason Tatum, uh, Brown. Marcus Smart, he's relatively young still. So, yeah, they still do have some youth on their side to their advantage in this situation as well. But look out for a hungry Memphis team. You know, you said that, you know, those are three easy, winnable games. Look out for a hungry Memphis team out of out of all of those teams, at least. And then you never know what you might get out of Bradley Beal to end the season in the Washington Wizards uniform, you know, this year. So you never know what you might get out of him. You may get a 55-point night buzzer beater to win the game against the Boston Celtics. You just never know, you know, Absolutely. You
0: never know play. and again, looking at the schedule. So those were the teams that we picked. There's obviously other teams that are going to probably be playing really well. I'm sure the Nuggets are going to be doing some fun things um, and the Rockets are the team. I love to hate the Houston Rockets trying that <laughs> small ball. We'll see if that works. And again, they're going to have that excuse, I think, too, where if it doesn't work into the playoffs, they're going to say, well, it's a weird playoff scenario. It's a whole different ball game. We're still going to try to go with those small ball lineups. I just, I don't know.
1: I don't think it's going to be able to take them. I don't
0: oh, think don't it's, it's going to be able to take him to, take him to the, the finals. I
1: just don't think so. I just, listen, remember throughout this whole podcast, I've been wanting the Oklahoma City Thunder just to bypass the Houston yeah. Rockets in the playoffs. That's season. our team. So That's uh, the, the Oklahoma
0: City Thunder is the points in the podcast team. They, they are the team we're going to be rooting for to get to the finals. I think that, that would be to see uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander in the finals would be super fun. Chris Paul with him would be awesome. That, that would just be the most fun NBA finals if, if OKC was able to make it. And the other thing <laughs> I wanted to mention, too, was when the schedule came out on Friday, the NBA said that there was going to be a max seven games per day. And if you look at the schedule as a whole, there's not always seven games per day, but there's a good amount of of days where you're seeing five, six, seven games in a row. And these games are going to be starting at central time, noon, central time, two o'clock, five o'clock, man. We are going to be watching basketball all All day. day. It's going to be great. I am so excited for that. It's It's going going to be the most fun to be able to, you know, wake up, eat some breakfast, do some, do some errands, come back around noon or 2 o'clock and you got NBA basketball on. I mean, that's the most fun.
1: Sitting back during a pandemic, doing what you got to do, sitting back, and just Want enjoying some, some basketball. basketball.
0: And speaking of that, too, which comes to our, uh, our next topic of the Big Three. The Big Three is NBA betting. And... With all of this happening, obviously, there's going to be a lot of gambling going on with NBA teams. I'm very excited to start betting on some of these teams. But it'll be interesting to see because, as 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 we mentioned, this is going to be a completely different scenario in Orlando. No one's traveling anywhere. They're all going to be playing in the same spot. Are you, Zach, as someone who also dabbles in the gambling of the NBA teams, uh, are you looking at any different ways to be betting these games or are, are, are the strategies? Should people who bet on these games change their strategies up? Should they, some things off the top of my head that I thought, are there going to be more unders? Are teams going to be scoring less, at least to start because they are haven't played, they haven't played in three months. They are a little bit rusty. Are, are, are you going to be betting more unders in games? Are you going to be betting for more upsets? Teams that are not favored to win may have a better chance to win these games simply because they're no home and away teams and the scenarios are completely different. So what
1: what, are are you looking at any different betting strategies for this? It'll definitely be tons of unders to start off. I would probably go under probably every game the first day, (laughs) every game the first day. I would probably parlay seven
0: unders in a row. I, I don't
1: know if I was 17 parlay, but. I would, definitely, uh, I would definitely go under without without question. And then, like, looking at probably how the spreads will probably be and how they will turn out. And then, you know, us, you know, into the live betting, betting the quarters and everything. I will probably live bet under quarters the first quarter for sure because the guys are probably going to come out so rusty, shooting like 41 35% from the field to start off the first quarter. So you never know what you're, what you're going to get, you know. So, yeah, I would definitely take the under. But – but then you may have bets where you may have uh, unders that are already low, and so you you know, given that situation, how everybody right. will probably automatically assume that there will be unders depending on what the under is. We may have to take uh, take the over, you know.
0: Right, and and speaking of our team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they were amazing at hitting the over. They're a high scoring team, so it will be for me for someone who did win a good amount of money betting Oklahoma City Thunder overs, I think for me it'll be interesting to see if they can continue that scoring output. They are also a team that did really well against the spread and so if you look at a lot of these teams who did well against the spread during the regular season, we'll have to see if that translates into Orlando. I think it will for the most part, but there's just so much uncertainty right now, which for people who do bet, uncertainty could be the worst or the best thing possible for their betting. So it'll be interesting to see if some of these teams continue what they did in the regular season, and if not, it's a pretty good evidence, proof, whatever you want to call it, that the the Orlando bubble and playing in just one spot definitely changes everything that, that NBA teams do.
1: Oh yeah, because there's not going to be any home court advantage or anything like that. Because no. everything is neutral site, you know. You got things like that that's going to be taking place, and then it's no longer. I mean, they've had what four months off, and so like I said, they're going to be able. They're going to have to jump right in, and get right to yep. it. Come come July 30th, and and go all out, and we're going to see who has the energy and who has who has who has the most to give, in terms of uh, each team, each team that all out of all 22 teams that are out there. And man, get and I, listen. The New Orleans Pelicans is a team I will probably watch out for if I'm, if I'm a better because like I think that'll be a team that's gonna look to push and uh, probably be up tempo. Despite Alvin Gentry being more of a reserve uh, coach, I think he's gonna probably try to look to push his young guys out there, out there on the break. And so I look for that team particularly to be a team that'll. Probably aim for overs, depending on if the uh, if it starts off being a little low in terms of the over/under. That's yeah. a team I would pay attention to.
0: Zion and, and the Pelicans have let's see three, four. They have five out of their eight games are going to be prime time. Uh, um, one is TBD against the Magic, and another is at one thirty PM. So the NBA the NBA knows what they're doing. The, the Lakers don't play any afternoon games.
1: They're
0: all <laughs> all their games are
1: prime time at night, which makes it- sense. And it's funny because it's not – well, yeah, that actually does because, you know, the L.A. market, they got to see the games too as well. Yeah, but, they don't want to have – right, they don't want to have games at 11 in the morning. hmm
0: But I, I think the Pelicans being in prime time, see how Zion does, and he's one of those young players, again, that could absolutely thrive in this environment while other older veteran players take a little bit more time to adjust to the gameplay. Zion may thrive in that environment and he did listen as big of a haters as we've been to Zion he played fairly well towards the end of end of the NBA season stopping I would say
1: he did he did and I'll say this you know you know when I look at the, each each team throughout all 22 and the stretches you know who's going to have the toughest schedule or the softest schedule I'll say this I'll put them in order for you the New Orleans Pelicans, philadelphia 76ers the boston celtics and the indiana pacers will have the softest schedules out of all the schedules amongst the 22 teams now by contrast of that the team with the hardest schedules will be the miami heat the toronto raptors the denver nuggets the la lakers and the team with the toughest schedule which we mentioned before the end of the uh end of the season before it had stopped we mentioned the memphis grizzlies were going to have the toughest remaining schedule in the nba before the pandemic and so they still have the toughest remaining schedule amongst all 22 teams followed by the lakers and we saw the lakers schedule how we talked about in the beginning five team what seven teams are playoff teams so yeah they're going to be in for a treat night in and night out in orlando
0: yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, the Western Conference, the, the race for the playoffs in that A spot is going to just be so much fun. You've got four, five teams who are trying to get that spot. And it's just going to be a race to get that final final A seed. I am just excited. Finally, basketball's back. We're going to have midday basketball. Seven games a day. This is what it's all about. This is it. This is what yeah. we've all been asking for for months. <laughs> been <laughs> yeah. perfect. All right, uh let's move on to our third and final point that we want to make our uh the big three. Want to talk about a little bit
1: more of a different league, the WNBA. Course, they announced you
0: know, plans to tip off the 2020
1: season. Yes, they did. You know, the WNBA, it's all basketball, right? Because at the end of the day, ball is life. And this is a basketball podcast. So, you know, always got to be inclusive. So why not, right? You know, the yeah. WNBA, they're trying to uh, get their uh, league off the ground. And they've got plans to tip off their 2020 season. It's going to be at the IMG Academy. In Florida, and you know that's going to be the official start and the official home for their whole season. They're they usually play what twenty eight or twenty nine regular season games. They've shortened it to twenty two regular season season games. They're going to touch on things like you know social justice and reform, you know, while the league progresses through as well. And then you know they're going to play without fans, just like the NBA you know, they're being uh, safe and, you know, keeping the uh, players safe and keeping, you know, obviously uh, everyone in society safe and trying to, you know, be quarantined as much as possible, you know, for uh, health safety and everything. And so they're not going to have any fans in attendance, of course, because of COVID-19. And there are some players that are uh, opting out too, Ben. Who are some of those players?
0: That are opting out of the uh, WNBA season. They do have a a fairly significant list of players who will not be playing. Um, you got Natasha Cloud of the Mystics, Tiffany Hayes, Renee Montgomery. I mean, the, there's there's a pretty big list of, oh, yeah. of players that aren't playing, and some of them have really good reasons, and, and they're very admirable um, that they're not playing. Rebecca Allen um, of the Liberty is not going to be playing as well. And, and listen, anyone that discredits players NBA or WNBA that don't want to play in this environment just need to shut up and, I, and I, it's just <laughs> terrible it's terrible that they would even <laughs> criticize players for not wanting to play because there is a myriad of reasons a player would not want to play um, with the number one of them probably being they don't want to get COVID which I think is a very legitimate excuse to not want to play basketball right now so anyone anyone who criticizes players for not wanting to play are, is insane that's an insane thing to do.
1: You are hilarious, babe. Anybody, they need to shut up. I'm with you 150%. They do need to shut up. But, yeah, you know, there's NBA players and WNBA players who are both deciding to sit out because of COVID-19. And they're trying to use their time to fight police brutality and racial injustice in this country. That's going on right now with, obviously, the George Floyd situation and countless others that uh, we've probably mentioned on the podcast before. And like we said, you know, other players that have decided to not play Shanae Agumake, uh, Latoya Sanders from the Mystic as well. And John Jones, particularly, uh, she's decided not to to focus particularly on, you know, the things I just uh, named as such as uh, social injustice and uh, police reform and that sort of thing. So and then a player that I haven't mentioned and she's been out the league already for a year and she was already going to take another year off that being that being the four-time WNBA champion Maya Moore
0: you yeah. know she
1: yeah, she's focused on something uh, that's way bigger than basketball with um with an injustice situation as well and so yeah you have these different players opting out to focus on something that's uh, bigger than bigger than sports and that's that's huge
0: yeah thing to see how their season goes they're going to be starting in late July um, they're gonna be playing the first time that WNBA and NBA are gonna be playing at the same at the same time. time. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I think I think it'll be fun. I I think it'll give you know, listen, more basketball the better. The more basketball I can watch, the more happy I'll be. So the WNBA and NBA playing side by side, I don't think is going to be an issue, at least for me. I don't think it should be an issue for most basketball fans. If if you want to ba- watch basketball, look at all the basketball that's going to be
1: available. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be available in the summer, too. That's what makes it special. What yeah, what it'll be very great. Special.
0: All right. So those were the big three. And as we do, as we have been doing the past three episodes, we're going to be throwing it back to the 2000s. We've already named our point guard, shooting guard, small forward, our favorites of the 2000s. So now we're on power forward, Zach, and man, the 2000s were, I mean, they were probably the last decade of the stereotypical power power, forward. Yeah, before before things
1: became positionless.
0: (laughs) Yeah, before you had the the emergence of stretch fours and you had guys who could play the three or the four or the five, those type of things. These were solid fours, solid power forwards, and that's what they were always going to be. You weren't going to make them any different. And they were going to do exactly what you expected a power forward to do. Um, and I, there's a lot of honorable mentions that you put. And one of them is my guy who I picked as my favorite power forward from 2000 to 2010. And that is the one and only Timmy D, Tim Duncan. He is my top power forward. And I don't know how you could dislike the guy. He was the most fun person. It's funny because he didn't oh, have... I have a long list. <laughs> oh, you Oh, you have a whole list right now. Because that's the other list. thing, too. The... The power forwards of the 2000s, they had a lot of personality. There was a lot of personality in that group.
1: Or lack thereof. Or
0: lack thereof. Well, the thing with Tim Duncan, the fact that he didn't have a strong personality was his personality. Right. He he was kind (laughs) of like that goofy, schleppy dude who wore jeans all the time and baggy shirts and just kind of trudged around everywhere, barely laughing, not smiling a lot. Just kind of this awkward, funny guy. And that was like his personality. That was his thing. Someone who wasn't flashy, someone who didn't really talk a lot. And I think that's what made him so lovable. And even his game wasn't flashy. It was kind of a gross game to watch. You kind of just wondered how he was able to get some of these shots off and some of his turnarounds and hook shots. And he got it done. And he I thought he was super fun to watch because of that.
1: Super fun. You put super fun. Super fun. It's Tim Duncan. By. Oh, and I'll stamp on You put Super Fun and Tim Duckett in the same senses. That got to be the funniest thing you have ever said on the I podcast. stand by that me. 100%. Listen, he was on honorable mention for me because yeah, he was. Outside, of, outside of his game being absolutely boring, like absolutely boring. He got work, though. Like, don't get it twisted. It's when it insulting comes to
0: that you call him absolutely boring. Like,
1: like, he, he he's definitely boring, but he has work. Like, his footwork is amazing. His his ability to shoot any kind of shot off the glass, no matter the angle, no matter the hand. Like, you know, Tim is t- lights out arguably the best power forward in, the, in NBA history, you know, five NBA he's championships. He's the big fundamental. Yeah, big fundamental, you know, super boring playing for a team with boring uniforms, black wearing black and white, that's boring. <laughs> uh playing in San Antonio, not a huge right. market, but Tim Dunn is amazing though. Don't get like I won't say like he's not a great player. He's definitely a great player. Definitely, you know, top uh top 5 for, top power forward ever. But for me, you know, I've had to pick my guy. Amongst the other guys that I uh, put on, I never mentioned like a Chris Webber, who was outstanding with Sacramento and the to State Warriors and a slight run in Philadelphia, despite you know the Dirk Nowinski, you know the seven foot sniper uh, out of Germany. It, I love Dirk Nowinski. Like who doesn't love Dirk Nowinski, right? Like he introduced us like after oh, he's great, like after the Tony Cook coach, and you know after that we really got to see like a superstar level power forward, seven footer that can shoot outside. And that was Dirk Nowitzki. So Dirk Nowitzki's always welcome to the barbecue. Cause he was just nice <laughs> out and an amazing, uh, amazing player and a champion. You know, he'd be he beat LeBron. Yeah. And who would have thought, right? He beat LeBron James. So, you know, yeah, Dirk is amazing. And then he I was like my number two. Number he was your number two. And then uh for me, Jermaine O'Neal was pretty solid too. I love Jermaine O'Neal. When he was uh, at Indiana, he was my guy too yeah what, one of those hidden gems who were some of your others before i say my guy
0: uh, okay we'll 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 hold off on the on the listeners finding out your number one then i guess um well uh my another so another guy i wanted to mention amari stoudemire okay and yeah. the reason i like him is because i love steve nash as you heard from my point guard uh three what was it five six weeks ago i don't know time <laughs> time doesn't matter during quarantine um <laughs> But Steve Nash was my guy and the guy he went to probably the most in Phoenix was Amari Stoudemire. They had just this incredible connection and most of his like highlight passes that he made were to Amari Stoudemire. Um so Amari was near and dear to my heart. as one of the fun power fours and he was he was vicious. He was a vicious player. Um someone who who made a lot of impact down low near the basket because he had a lot of room to maneuver because you would have Steve Nash attack the lane and he would get all the attention and he would just dish it off to amari who would finish with a vicious slam and he was he, he was just extremely extremely fun to watch um play with my favorite player steve steve nash and then the other guy i wanted to mention chris bosh um was my he he definitely made a big impact in the 2010s playing with the heat but on the raptors in the late 2000s he was he was a guy he was he was the guy playing playing in toronto
1: No, he was definitely solid. But, you know, I got to roll with number 21 out of Minnesota. The big ticket. (laughs) The big ticket. The star of uncut gems. (laughs) The big ticket himself, KG, Kevin Garnett, man, he he's just phenomenal. Like, what's understood with Kevin Garnett literally doesn't have to be explained. If you've ever seen a, a Kevin Garnett basketball game, you understand why he's my favorite Power Four amongst all Power Fours throughout the 2000s. His intensity level was so high, every game just lights out in your face Punching his head like it didn't matter. Boston Celtics, Kevin Garnett, just the same energy, the same level. I love the fact that he was able to beat the late great uh, Kobe Bryant, rest his rest his soul. I was I was so happy to see Kevin Garnett win a championship after all the fight and everything I saw him go through in Minnesota, being a, being an MVP of this league in two thousand four, having the best record in Minnesota at that time, and seeing him fall short and not, you know, go to the championship that year because of a great L.A. team. So you never felt
0: that he was too intense? You never were like, okay, maybe you could calm down a little?
1: Uh, Uh-uh! No. There's no, no. Because, like, he wasn't, i tell you what, Kevin Garnett wasn't a Rasheed Wallace. Right? And I love Rasheed Wallace. Like, I love Rasheed Wallace. But Rasheed Wallace, he has, like, the record for, like, most technical fouls in a season. So, like, that's another level of intensity that does, that needs to be toned down. As long as you can, as long as you can control your intensity to the point where you don't you don't affect your team in a negative way, then it's all good. And I think he wasn't he was he used to teeter the line. Definitely, Kevin Garnett would teeter the line earlier in his career. You know, when he was in Minnesota about about what you're talking about, but he wasn't necessarily a Rasheed Wallace kind of type, you know, that would just get a tech and then get another tech right after and be out of the game, you know. So uh, he was intense for sure, and he definitely was, you know, he he pushed the limit, but he was right at. The limit for me. It's just a phenomenal guy. You know the the turnaround, the 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 finishes. He the finishes he would have. He would just posterize guys like all the time. And he just would be intense on the defensive end. Block shots. He get in your face. He loves the rebound. Like he's just energetic. Runs the floor like a deer. Man, he was amazing. Man, I love.
0: Yeah, his his turnarounds were silky. Those were fun to watch. Oh yeah. You couldn't block. He was so tall, and he and he put the ball so high up that is you couldn't block it. It was impossible.
1: Left shoulder, right shoulder, didn't matter which one he turned, and he was able to be able to turn on each shoulder too. Doesn't it didn't matter which shoulder he would use? He would turn left, go right, turn right, up, go left. Man, it was amazing, man. I, I love love some Kevin Garnett. The intensity level—it just it matched what basketball was supposed to be about. What basketball is supposed to be about. I feel like every basketball player should somewhat have that type of intensity level when when being on the basketball floor. If you love basketball, just the way you say you do.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's fair. He was he, he was certainly never boring to watch. Um, he, he always there was always something going on when Kevin Garnett was involved. So that's good. <laughs> I, I had Tim Duncan, who I probably is about the exact opposite of Kevin Garnett in terms exactly. of personality. <laughs> Those are two very different people. Um, and, and you had Kevin Garnett. The team's coming together. We got one more to go. One more. <laughs> We're going to do our centers. Maybe if we have more time, we could do uh, our six men of the 2000s. But I think that would probably just be Jamal Crawford. But well, we could maybe do that anyway. Figure uh, it out down the road. Yeah,
1: I love I love Jay Crawford.
0: Or Ben Gordon. Listen, I could do Ben Gordon for six man. He won six man of the year. I could ride or die with my boy Ben Gordon. Yeah, um,
1: you ride or die with, with your boy Ben Gordon as a Bulls fan.
0: Oh, always, always <laughs> ride or die with BG seven. Uh, let's do uh, Let's do our next segment. Overreaction.
1: Or no. Or no. And
0: the nah. overreaction. For this
1: one uh, is an interesting
0: question. And it's a question I posed to you and and a question I'll probably pose to anyone listening and, and see what they feel like. But the overreaction, the statement, is this an overreaction? The NBA is being irresponsible by holding the season in Orlando while the coronavirus is rising in Florida, while there are more cases happening in the state of Florida. Is the NBA being irresponsible? Is that an overreaction to say they are being irresponsible? We are seeing more corona cases going on around the league, and we're going to continue to see him go forward. We've seen people like Spencer Dinwiddie have it, Buddy Hield, Jabari Parker, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Brogdon had it, Jokic had it, uh, Michael Malone, the coach of the Denver Nuggets, had it. This is not going to stop. We're going to continue to see players get coronavirus. Um, so is the NBA being irresponsible by, by holding it in Orlando? Um, is that an overreaction to say they are?
1: It's not their fault, you know? like that's like that's what it that's what it boils down to like it's not it's not the nba's fault that society won't sit still you know like they won't like it's not society's fault it's not society's it's not the nba's fault that the uh, florida's governor won't close florida like he opened beaches and gave everyone opportunity to you know, get it, get risk at, you know, catching COVID-19. And so the, the cases have spiked up in Florida. So it's not, it's not the NBA's fault. And because of that, I have to say they're not being irresponsible because it's not their fault that this is taking place, you know, they're doing the best they can. And if it trying I mean, not, the NBA is trying to do the best that they can, with the situation in terms of health and safety. They're trying to be a progressive league in terms of you know social awareness and what's going on in the country, and, and including that within the bubble in terms of being in Orlando. So they're trying to do so much along with trying to navigate with this coronavirus that I can't necessarily say they're being irresponsible. Now, do I feel like they're pushing the pushing a little too hard for the NBA to come back? yes but i also understand why they are because at the end of the day what is it all about ben
0: yeah i mean they they need to make money they need to put on the league and i know people are going to want to watch the league and, and adam silver even said he said that if if the cases are isolated and, and they only have a couple of cases that happen while they're in the bubble they're going to continue to play but he said if we have a lot of cases they are going to stop so there's no guarantee that we're going to have a full nba season just yet Um, And I know when they picked Florida, Florida was one of those states, I think they picked it a month and a half ago. It was one of those states that didn't have a lot of cases. Um, So when they picked it, it looked like a fine state for the most part. But now that everything's going back, they made their plan and now the cases are rising. It's hard for them to go back. I understand that. They can't just change on a dime and they can't just change locations. Um, And if you read their bubble plan, it is a very solid plan and and as detailed as you can get in keeping people safe. So Maybe because just because there are more cases in the state, we may not see the cases rise in the bubble. I, I'm not a doctor. I, I don't know if that's true <laughs> or not. But to say that they are irresponsible, I think you could say there's a part of them that is being irresponsible by simply just holding a season while the pandemic is going on. I think that's okay. you'd, be in, you'd be in the right to say that that is an irresponsible thing to do. But you have to look at it kind of not in black and white. You have to look at it in, in that people, these players do need to make money. There are players that aren't making $20 million a year in the NBA that rely on the paycheck to be able to play. There's people who work with teams that rely on that pay. There are media members that cover the NBA that are out of jobs right now that rely on the league for their pay. So it's not it's not just, you know, these millionaires needing to make money. It's people all around involved with the league from writers to team operators to people who work in the front office they all all of them rely on on the league running to get money to get paid to make a livelihood so i understand them trying and trying their best to make a comeback so is it irresponsible i think in a way it is but i don't think it's completely irresponsible for them to hold it in orlando and to continue to hold it
1: in orlando while there's cases rising exactly and then it's like if you move it in, on such a short notice, where you're gonna move it to? My guess would obviously be what we talked about in the beginning. In these scenarios, that would be Vegas. I know Vegas is, is another place with with at least four venues that they could be able to do the same thing. Now they chose Orlando, and they chose Orlando, Florida. Probably would be it. It probably would have been best for them to be in Orlando. I'll just be quite honest, as opposed to Las Vegas. Right. But, on the, but on the flip side of that, or Florida was just a state that is stubborn right now during this pandemic, and it's open, and the cases for COVID nineteen are rising and are continuing to rise. And so that's what makes the NBA kind of look irresponsible. But then it goes above the NBA to a whole nother like political standpoint, where like with policy and everything else and decisions being made in regards to uh, COVID-19. And so when I look at the NBA, they're not irresponsible because I know what it's about. You know, it's about money. And and if they don't do this, like if they don't try to do these next eight games and and have this playoff, if they don't have the, if they don't finish this season because of COVID-19, there may not be another season next year because of an NBA lockout. And that's gonna be a whole a whole calendar year where we didn't see no basketball Ben. you know, and that's That'd not be, gonna be the that's not gonna be NBA be fault either. You know, yeah, you no. know, that's not gonna be NBA's fault, but that's probably where we're gonna be at because they're gonna lose all this money. It's time for CBA to renegotiate. And they can't come to an agreement because all the money that's been lost and free agencies can't free agents can't get as much money as they probably would have because the billion dollar revenue that's been lost in the NBA because of this pandemic. It's going to be so much that if they don't play these games, if they don't have this bubble, it's going to affect the guys in the long run. You know, there's always bigger picture, right? And there's a kind of a bigger picture aspect to this, despite the health risk. Like we know the health risk and we're not ignoring the health risk either, but there's more, like, long-term, there's a lot at stake, too.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. So is it an overreaction? I don't think it's an overreaction to say they're being so irresponsible. Either. But I I, uh, I think you have to take it in the context of everything else that's going on and everything else that, it, that could be affected by them just not having a season at all. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see if cases continue to rise, and, and that's a whole separate conversation for when it does. But with that, We'll change gears, and let's go online and go uh, to see what NBA Twitter has been talking about recently. Because there's been a lot going on with NBA Twitter. What it do, baby? Yeah! yeah. Um, especially Ooh, with the JR News. So we'll start oh, with that. Yeah. Let's start with J.R. Smith, as, uh, as honestly we should always do with NBA Twitter. There's always J.R. Smith's talk going about. He's, uh, on he's now back
1: with LeBron James. He's on the roster. He's on a roster. He's on a roster. J.R. Smith is on played. a roster. He is. He hasn't
0: played since November of 2018.
1: 18 months or so. Man, that's a long time.
0: Yeah. And this was after Avery Bradley opted out of the season. Uh, he's got a six-year-old son who has got a his- uh, history of respiratory problems, so I understand him opting out of the season. He just didn't want to bring anything back to his kids that can harm him. So he's out, which means the Lakers needed someone, and they decided on Jr. Smith.
1: Yes, they signed J.R. Smith, which they probably should have been had had done in the first place. I know they went with Deion Waiters over J.R. Smith, but they probably should have gone with a guy with more playoff experience and J.R. Smith being just J.R. Smith. You know, I love me some Deion Waiters, too. But, you know, J.R. Smith was a guy with experience, you know, come playoff time and he's going to he's played with LeBron James. Obviously, we've talked about that. And, you know, he does has that that little stain on his resume in terms of basketball for not taking the shot or passing the ball or doing anything, just running out the clock when the ball game was tied in game one of the uh, 2018 NBA finals. And that's, a, yeah, that was, that's something that's just hard to uh, overcome by with well, LeBron James having such a great performance, but we're past that now, Jr. Welcome aboard, you know, to the Los Angeles <laughs> Lakers. and We uh, hope LeBron has passed that too. Yeah, you know, so I pretty well. He, he probably was. He probably gave you know the okay for yeah. He can come aboard during the that's for This run,
0: yeah, he's not joining without LeBron. It'll be it'll be fun to see how they play together. Maybe they could if they win a title together. I think that would be hilarious. That would be amazing yeah. if if after everything they went through in Cleveland, all they do is they come back, LA, reconcile, win a title,
1: yeah. easy, win another one. You know, win na- yeah,
0: win another one, right? Mm-hmm. And that then that then that whole LeBron J.R. Smith meme will be just another <laughs> story point in that whole arc of, of LeBron and the JR friendship. Um we got news on the NBA 2K cover. Our own Shams broke the news. Yeah, Who's gonna be on the cover of NBA 2K?
1: Man. Our the boy cover. the cover athlete, video game, dame. It only it's only fitting to have that nickname now, right? It's only yeah, fitting. Yeah, video game, dame, Damian Lillard. It Will be featured on the cover of NBA 2K21. Now I know they're gonna have a legendary edition too, or something. Who do you think is gonna be on the legendary, uh, the legendary cover of 2K21? Ben.
0: Oh, that's gonna be tough. I, who, who's been? I don't even know who's been in the past legendary 2K covers.
1: Well, we've had, uh, we've had Shaq, we've had uh, Kobe, we've had. Uh, who else have we had? It would make we, sense
0: for them to do Kobe again.
1: They should do Kobe again, and then I've. We're well, not necessarily a. Mini- Photoshop. So here, let's I see. see. Little Photoshop of uh, Afro Kobe for the, <laughs> for the for the legendary edition. Even more. him him uh, so, with his head um, on the basketball. Let's
0: see. I have a whole list here. So last year was Dwayne Wade. Um, oh, Legend Edition. They didn't have one until eight. Two K 18s was Shaq. Kobe was the year before. Michael Jordan was Two K Sixteen. Yep. Um, and that was the first time they did those legendary editions. So. There's a lot of options out there um i don't I don't know you, you maybe have like even like someone like Chris Bosch would be kind of cool just because of all the health issues he's had.
1: yeah he could be, a, be he
0: could good. be a fun player on the legendary edition. Let me
1: think who else would be a good one uh, There's just yeah. so many to pick with. Yeah, there is so many different options. Tim objects. Duncan. Tim Duncan. Hey, has he ever been? Hold on, has he ever been on the cover of a video game? No, he probably has, he has never been. been on the cover. Uh, it, you could also do Dirk. Dirk you could definitely do Dirk. You could definitely do Dirk. You could do. I Vince think. Carter. I think you go
0: Dirk or Duncan.
1: You can go Dirk, Duncan, Vince Carter. Ooh,
0: another good one. Um,
1: Legendary. Well, no, I'm not. Maybe not Vince Carter because he doesn't have any championships. But the other well, guys but, we named. Oh, he's Vince Carter, though. He, he is though. Vince Carter. That's my favorite player. Yeah, that, he is Vince Carter. You're right. <laughs> he's a legend in his own
0: mind. He's he's a legend for sure. Legend in his own right. Yeah. I, I think that's a good option. You either Vince Carter, Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki. One Definitely.
1: of those three. Probably Dirk. I would probably take Dirk. I would take Dirk. I would honestly take Dirk to be on. A Dirk Legendary.
0: would be fun. I think he'd be fun on the cover. Tim Duncan would be hilarious too.
1: Yeah, that would be that would just be flat out hilarious. That would be hilarious.
0: Uh, the other thing on NBA Twitter that a lot of people were talking about was an NBA Jam story that came out. the um, The creator of NBA Jam told a story. Being from Michigan originally, I am a big Detroit Pistons fan. Making this game in Chicago during the height of the Michael Jordan era. There was a big rivalry, you know, the Pistons and and the Bulls. But the one way that I could get back at the Bulls once they got over the hump was to affect their skills against the Pistons in NBA Jam. And so I put in special code that uh, if the Bulls were taking last-second shots against the Pistons, they would miss those shots. And so if you're ever playing the game, uh, make sure you pick the Pistons over the Bulls. So he he essentially said, <laughs> you got a kick out of this too. Oh my God. He essentially said, you know, as as you heard in the in the clip that he made the Bulls lose, even if they had a chance to win with a last second shot to beat the Pistons. He's a Pistons fan. So he never let the Bulls win on a last second shot. So people, people had always kind of assumed this was true because people played enough to know that if they were the Bulls playing the Pistons and the Bulls just couldn't hit a last second shot, no matter how hard they tried. Uh, so people kind of thought this was true, and he finally came out and admitted it. So, you know, he needs to be arrested, first of all, for doing ah! that.
1: <laughs> you, you say that as a Bulls fan. Yeah,
0: I mean, you need to arrest him. <laughs> no, they I'm absolutely. from
1: Michigan,
0: so... Tried I, for his <laughs> crimes.
1: <laughs> I'm from Michigan, so, like... I just find it hilarious, you know, being from Michigan and Detroit being so close to where I'm from. It's just it's just hilarious for me because, like, that's just stubborn Detroit fans being so mad at Michael Jordan's greatness that they could just fluke a video game.
0: (laughs) I get it. You you listen, you couldn't beat him on the court. You you always lost. So you you needed a way to beat him. I get that. But again, it should that should be illegal, and yeah, no, he needs to go hilarious. to prison. Yeah, he needs to go to prison for a very long time because that's insane.
1: That no, would be all right. This is the video. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and look, I put it to you this way: if you're the Bulls and you're playing NBA Jam and you're playing against the Pistons, my advice to you is just to get out to a good, comfortable lead so you're not <laughs> in that <Yep>. situation. <laughs>
0: never, just yeah, never play from behind as the Bulls, and and you got
1: it, then you're fine. Yeah. And you're gonna win.
0: Uh what's our final NBA Twitter talking about this week,
1: Zach? Ooh, we you know, our fun team, the team we like to uh what do you uh, make fun of? I guess we make fun of this team out of all 29 teams in the in the NBA because they just need yeah. to be better. You know, they just need to be better. They're the they're the NBA team with the hue with the biggest media market of all the teams, you know, next to LA. And that's the New York Knicks, you know, they need to be better. I think they're trying to be better, Ben. I think the New York Knicks are trying to be better. And by doing that, they got one of the guys that has some of the biggest connections in basketball. And that's arguably in basketball history. I've heard that, or I've heard that on record. That that Mr. Worldwide West. If you don't know who Worldwide West is, Google him. He is a well-known individual with extreme connections throughout the nba he's been seen with presidents rappers and various celebrities you name it politicians you name it he is a big time individual and he will be joining the new york knicks staff and that's pretty impressive
0: yeah uh what's his name is william wesley i think is his actual name um <laughs> let's see I didn't know who he was uh, for a while until I, you know, read about him. He's a he's a consultant for the Creative Artists Agency. He's you know he's got relationships, like you said, with a ton of high profile NBA players and team owners. So that's something the Knicks need. They need those connections. They need to be able to bring in people, which is crazy to me that the best the, the team in the number one market in the country still needs a guy with connections to be able to bring people in.
1: That's you know yeah that, it it does show a sadness in the New York Knicks. But listen, when you're all the way at the bottom, what's the best thing? What's the only thing you can really do, Ben? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's true. You
0: can't get much worse than than what the Knicks are right now. So you might as well make some changes at this point. They're going to be – they need a new head coach. They need a star player. They need a lot. That's kind of the big two of being able to be a championship team is, you know, a head coach and a star player.
1: Man, in World Wide West, he's going to be able to, you know, dib and dab around this NBA league and hopefully get some attention over there at the New York Knicks, get some free agents, get some trades in in the works, you know, with him being over there as executive VP and, you know, a senior basketball advisor. That's his going to be his official role with the New York Knicks. And so you know, with the kind of guy that Wes is, him being being able to maneuver around the league and being around guys from Michael Jordan to LeBron James to Barack Obama to Bill Clinton, like these are actual people he's come across, shake hands and have conversations with, you know, throughout his entire uh, career. And so, you know, Worldwide Wes is going to be a guy who's going to put you know, put some seats put some people in the seats for the New York Knicks. I'm trying to be a little positive for the New York Knicks. We just can't have that that uh that rotten fish head at the top, you know, ruining things, you know. You know who that guy is.
0: Oh, yeah. No, he needs to I mean <laughs> Dolan needs to go completely. Just get just get shown the door and leave. And then the Knicks can finally change, I think, is is once James Dolan is gone, that team can finally do something. Because as long as he's there I, I just don't know how good their chances are at winning a title. I really don't. I, he, he's that bad of an owner.
1: Yeah, he's that bad. He's real bad. But, see, there's a, you know, there's rumors, you know, that he's going to be really connected to – he's really connected with guys like John Kelly Perry, who could end up the coach for the New York Knicks. And then you have guys like Anthony Davis, who could be a free agent. You know, and then you have a guy like Devin Booker, who could be traded. You know, I'm just throwing things out there, you know, different scenarios being, you know, you can have a Devin Booker, Anthony Davis, and a John Calipari all at all in New York Knicks uh, attire. That would be wild. Yeah. You know, that's how that connected would be, uh, That's how connected that would be World fun. Wide West is.
0: <laughs> Listen, we'll see if he does his magic for the Knicks because God knows the Knicks need something. Need they, they need, need a, a miracle. Magician. Yeah, they need a magic <laughs> exactly we'll end with that we'll 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 end the podcast with that one right there a little dig at the Knicks
1: (laughs) so that concludes this edition of the points in the paint podcast follow myself Zach Badgerhouse and of course my buddy Ben Wittenstein and make sure you also follow Shams and Stadium on Twitter for your latest news and of course Shams for your latest basketball news NBA news of course and make sure you listen and follow and subscribe Two Points in the Pain podcast, but also make sure you follow and listen and subscribe to Trash and Treasure with Amina and Felder. They drop every Thursday, or at least they try to during this pandemic. And that's it for this edition, and we'll hear from you guys next time.